Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am delighted to be in conversation with my next guest, a Brooklyn, New York based journalist and critic who's written about art, design, urbanism, and media culture for a number of international publications. He is the editor in chief at Dwell Magazine. Please welcome William Hanley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Uh, good to see you. And uh, yeah, I go by Bill mostly. Bill it is. <laughs> Bill and Rob's excellent adventure. Can we do that? No? Uh, sure. <laughs> Just, it, does, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> so, you know, thank you for, for making the time to come on here. And I'm glad we're, we're able to, um, you know, have this have this happen. I mean, we were, we were chatting a little bit and I've mentioned um, I mentioned that brief conversation that you and I had a while back. I was like, man, major people actually know about my podcast. I was like, I can't wait to, to talk to Bill. This is going to be great. <laughs> so, you know, before we get into like the main crux of the conversation, um, this this is this is usually a different way I start. Um, I only ask it on occasion. What has been the highlight of your day thus far? The highlight of my day today? Yeah. Uh, huh. What happened today? Um, there was a couple of, well, no, there were a couple of cracks of daylight in my meetings, which was super nice. It's always nice to, um, have that when it's properly spring in New York and one can go outside. And even though I just did the five borough bike tour, a 40 mile ride around the city yesterday, I decided I was going to get back on the horse and ride into the office, which was well worth it. Given the weather, I'm maybe in denial about how like sore I'm going to be tomorrow, but Hey, <laughs> that's good i um <laughs> i haven't been like i took like three or four days off of the gym and i've been like doing a lot of chest exercises and as i get closer and closer to 40 which one of my friends reminded me of on uh this past friday when we went out for drinks uh they were like oh yeah we're getting closer to 40 and i was like oh that hangover is going to be there tomorrow you know that <laughs> and i'm sore from all of the working out so it's like both things at the same time yeah, I, I didn't don't think I properly knew what a hangover was until I was over 40. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely not like a full on lycra clad uh, cycling enthusiast. I'm more of a it's my sort of primary mode around the city. I don't know if I'd say that, you know, and I think like, you know, New York's bicycle infrastructure has a lot of ways to go. But, you know, we're much better than we used to be when I moved here. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's that's great. It's good to have, you know, kind of enjoy those little peaks of uh, sunlight, those cracks of sunlight, you know. <laughs> so I, you know, I did the the sort of like sparse intro and I want to like, you know, kind of start talking a bit about like some of your early like fascination and interest in journalism and writing, like and, and ultimately how some of those early experiences uh, shaped where you're at and, you know, where you're at now, you know, with Dwell Magazine. Talk about that a bit, sort of that career trajectory and some of those early experiences. I mean, it's almost a cliche to say it's totally accidental, but I definitely didn't, you know, um, I definitely wasn't like studying communications as an undergrad and applying to J school and things like that. I'm, I'm ridiculously unqualified for this job, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have always gravitated toward uh, cultural production, the people who do it, the, you know, um, uh, people making interesting stuff. That's pretty much it. And so, you know, I, as an undergrad, um, you know, studied literature, but with a, you know, art history minor, but this was at the new school, um, shout out to the new school. Um, so I took a lot of, uh, design history courses sort of cross-listed with Parsons as well. And so that's where I like sort of became aware of design as a discipline. Like, you know, I'd always sort of, you know, understood, you know, when I was a little kid, I was fascinated by architecture. I'm one of those kids who wanted to be an architect when they grew up. And so, yeah, I don't know. I finished school and my, you know, I basically sold coffee and went to rock shows for years. But it, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's what I did before school too. But, um, it, you know, that um, led to, you know, I, I thought maybe I would go in an academic route. I was really, you know, interested in kind of the history and theory of the stuff, the history and theory is sort of uh, weighing on the stuff that people were making now. But I like, you know, couldn't imagine myself uh, pulled up in the library for the next 
next six years. And then like, you know, uh, and my friends who are in an academia, like sort of watching their sort of uh, career unfold, I was just like, wow, is this the hustle that I will? <laughs> so I think my metabolism was like a little too fast for it. Um, so I, you know, eventually I gravitated toward journalism just because I started writing nickel and dime art reviews and other things um, and just kind of got a bug for like, oh, someone's going to pay me, not very much. Someone's going to pay me to go see something interesting right now and explain to uh, whoever's reading this, like why I think it's worth their time. And so like that ability to kind of narrate my own kind of adventures, looking at exciting things um, was really what brought me into the field. But I started out covering visual art with a focus on the digital media and um, uh, you know, this was in the mid aughts. So there wasn't a long history yet of, you know, the internet and what art meant on the internet and how, um, you know, people were consuming that, preserving it, but also using the conventions of like this relatively new technology to make work. And I was just fascinated by like how someone was sort of translating things that were already like, you know, artifacts, even though they were only 10 years old into like kind of a new vocabulary for making work. So yeah, I was a staff writer at Rhizome, the new museum's uh, digital media art portal for a little bit in the mid aughts. But um, yeah, so uh, it was really a kind of roundabout that I came to writing about design and art architecture um i uh yeah um i guess the most sort of relevant experience there was jumping on board at architectural record a very sort of long-standing i mean the longest standing um architecture publication out there and uh which is sort of funny this completely naive kid going into like this really august institution but had some really like awesome editors there who were like willing to coach and willing to you know put up with my lack of understanding of how a building stands up and um so uh yeah that really became you know i never studied this in any formal way i'm not at all like sort of connected to the uh grad school networks of the trained designers or the trained design academics and things like that um but i did learn a lot and meet a lot of people in practice doing that um doing that job and actually going to see work in the real world so you know, I hope I've, you know, become something of an advocate for the lay person who's like arriving and seeing whatever the space is and telling you what it's like to be there. Yeah. I mean, that seems so fundamental, but like so much writing about architecture is not that. That's that's great. And um and thank you. Thank you for walking us walking us through that a little bit. And that this is a nice sort of follow-up question to it. So chiefly I'm, I'm being very punny and very corny here chiefly what does the role of the editor-in-chief at dwell entail what what, what do your like main responsibilities entail and you know like how do you view like what your role with the magazine is yeah sure i've you know put together a pretty amazing team i mean first and foremost like you know i it's really about sort of bringing in people who are going to bring in the perspectives that you know you want to that you think are worth putting in front of your readership i mean in front of your audience um so from obviously, you know, photo and video are hugely important from us for us to, you know, all kinds of stories that we're telling, like, um, you know, whether it's at a grand scope or, a, you know, it's short post on the site in a given day, like we have a really awesome batch of people who are making it happen. That sounds very golly gosh, but it is absolutely true. Like that more than anything else that I do in a given day is like the most important. Um, you know, I'm definitely not, um, yeah, I'm definitely not uh, the sort of cliched editor in chief making sort of top down decisions about what's going to be in the book, what's going to be on the site and on a given day. I, um, you know, am more hopefully facilitating conversations among people who all have very, very different perspectives on what this should be and helping to <laughs> synthesize referee, I don't know, whatever, uh, um, whatever needs to be done to put together like really great packages. So, I mean, really like my response, my chief responsibility is making sure that we have like the best team possible and um you know helping them do really really good work um yeah then there's a lot of boring administration as well but um, that's uh, <laughs> the part that i like about it is that but yeah that's sort of my day-to-day -day. and you know thinking about um you know thinking about what we're making in a editorial way in terms of forthcoming packages forthcoming issues um you know what kind of media those look best in we have a really rad group of um 
marketing people um, who have uh, really built up uh, some great channels for all sorts of audiences, from people who are a little bit on the periphery, just getting into what we do, to people who are hardcore dwell fans, um, and uh, you know, figuring out how what we do will resonate with each of those audiences. So, um, you know, thinking about how what we're producing editorially works, but also like the medium in which someone's going to consume it. Like I've, you know. Uh, always been interested in contemporary technologies, and I think it's foolish to think that you can run an editorial department without thinking about the end product. Um, you know, whether that's you know from the UX side or from the engineering side, like you know, working in lockstep is really important. Like our engineering roadmap lines up with our editorial roadmap, lines up with um, what we're doing on the uh, marketing side, so that we know that we're putting, you know, we're not just making this editorial in the vacuum. In a vacuum, we're doing it in a way that um, is is uh, in a way that is uh, going to reach people in a, a, on a platform that's well tailored to the type of content that we're creating. It's a really boring answer, but that's, um, <laughs> that's, that's I spend my time thinking about that. <laughs> no, I, th I think it like makes a lot of sense and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and which it kind of brings you to these, these sort of other like smaller bullet points in there. And uh, you know, I, I'm definitely going to ask about sort of the the mission because I, I think there's there's always sort of a mission there, and then like how we kind of get there and what that might change and what that might look like. When I look at like what I'm doing here, let's say in the first you know 50 episodes right of this podcast, 50 installments of this podcast, if I really stay super rigid to what I was doing of this is purely Baltimore. We and you wouldn't be having this conversation, you know, and being able to kind of grow it, but still stay within, I guess, a brand and with the ultimate, the ultimate like spirit of what I'm doing. It's like, I want to talk to people who are doing interesting work and really get a sense of like, all right, what's happening here? Maybe someone will learn from it. And, you know, all I know is when I go to certain places, like in Baltimore, I just keep seeing like magazine in there. I'm like, I got to talk to that guy. I got to talk to, I got to talk to the developer. I got to make these conversations happen. That's really what it is to at least extend and broaden those conversations and broaden a creative community, like being able to connect those dots. That's ultimately what the mission of what I'm doing has grown into, has developed into. That's one of the reasons that I was excited to see that you reached out. You know, I really like the fact that you're going and at it independently and that you're you know um not beholden to uh you know old ways of doing things and um you know that you can think about you know your audience in a way that isn't saddled with the baggage that some of the large publishers or networks you know would necessarily come with so um you know that's exciting uh, so i was happy to see that you reached out thank you so much that, that that's really uh it's really cool here <laughs> um so Tell me about like the, and, and it may vary day to day, obviously in a week, but um, tell me about like what a typical like first 30 minutes of the day for you looks like. Is it just like driving or biking or I'm like yelling at the coffee machine? What does that first 30 day, 30 out, 30 uh, minutes of the workday look like for you? Oh, wow. Um, I am not like an early rising, get up, go to the gym, whatever sort of person I uh stay up late and I wake up late. Um, I uh, eventually groggily make my way to the coffee maker while checking some combination of slacks and emails and uh, whatever Twitter is throwing my way that morning. I kind of quit Twitter almost cold turkey in 2016, but obviously I'm still there. Um, but the, uh, you know, these kind of, uh, um, these kind of things, like, you know, rather, I guess the, Everything that, you know, contemporary life throws at us in the morning, I suppose I try to, you know, get in a single dose. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's usually on to uh, uh, coffee, first of many throughout the day. Um, I think uh, um, th first of many throughout the day. And then um, I usually am doing like just kind of organizational stuff. It's when I take on like most of the admin things then is meetings for the next eight hours and then i'll usually work for like you know um, whatever uh um do the actual creative things in the evening after i'm done with uh done with uh dropping into various conversations about <laughs> um things going on at the in at, a, at the company both editorially and otherwise so it's um um yeah it's really uninteresting 
Yeah, I, I'm not like the sort of person who's like, well, the first thing that I do is like, whatever. <laughs> make some smoothie you should know about or something like I don't. But um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, coffee, internet, <laughs> proceed with the rest of the day. And as you take a sip from the bug, I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I should caveat that it's like 530 in the evening, too. <laughs> and um, so as, as far as and maybe it might be the wrong nomenclature here, but as far as the sort of like editorial cycle, right? Like what is the most exciting part? of that cycle for you? Is it, you know, sort of those introductory meetings of this is what we want to cover for the next quarter, next month, or whatever that cadence sort of looks like? Or is it like, here's these nerves, this excited energy, we got everything going, everything is rolling. Like, tell me about that. I mean, it's really, um, I mean, it's really uh, when we're in the early stages of a project, maybe we have like a theme or an idea like picked out, but then we're sitting in a meeting and someone just comes in with like this person or story or house somewhere that just seems to come completely out of nowhere it's sort of like a like whoa where'd you get that kind of moment like it's very uh you know um you know, we're you know not locked into something like covering you know luxury high design or like celebrities and things like that so you know we have a pretty wide field of uh, things that we can play with from a storytelling point of view. So I'm always encouraging everyone to go out there and like find relatively obscure things like what's going on in X part of the world. Like, and uh, when someone comes back with like something truly amazing, like young firms that don't have, they, they don't have PR, they don't have like, you know, they're, but they're, you know, building interesting stuff. I love to see that from like an architecture side or like, you know, some person who, you know, has this great story about their own life that affects the way that we might think about um homes in general or our own homes specifically like you know really when someone comes back with something that has a really awesome idea at its core like you know we can build a lot around that so you know that's my favorite moment when like we're all sitting there and like i just have this like jaw drop moment <laughs> again like putting together the team is like the most important thing like because everybody has different specializations different expertise and like you know different people in places that they know about so um it's really cool when something truly surprising but also really really relevant comes in that's that's fantastic um i am starting to think more and more i ended up um, applying for becoming a member of the uh, National Black Journalists, National Association of Black Journalists. So I've been trying to think more and more like a journalist and more and more like, okay, you're kind of the full guy here. You know what I mean? It's like, what's your production schedule? Who are you want to talk to? What are the themes and so on? And some of those moments when you have a theme, like um, I did the, I did this this month uh, in, in April, I did this Jazz Appreciation Month, and I tried to tailor a lot of the interviews in that way. And some of the interviews, they were like held specifically to be released during that month. And some were like a little later. And it's like, I got to do it. I got to make it happen. And one included going down to New Orleans and getting an interview with the curator from the Jazz Museum. And I was like, this was unexpected. And I was like super excited and super jazz. I was like, this is going to fit in so well. But I'm definitely a person that was trying to have a plan. Like I know two months out, these are the interviews, they're done, but it's just still having that flexibility of recording in batch. And I was just like, this trip, this, this traffic, not getting my coffee on time. None of that makes sense. None of it I care about, but getting this interview had me so excited. <laughs> just was like, this is great. This is what I'm doing this for. So sort of this blend of having a production calendar and kind of thinking through things, but also being able to have that flexibility to wedge something in there that fits like so perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's the fun, the discovery is the fun part, right? I mean, that's, uh, um, yeah, I mean, if you're dedicating yourself to finding people doing exciting work in the space that you're interested in, like, you know, that's that's the big payoff is like, oh, this person's thinking about this way differently than I thought, or like the experience of whatever this person's doing just like totally made me reconsider some aspect of something that I think I know really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So talk about a little bit of the sort of like core values at, at, at Dwell and like how, you know, the work now, or, or how, how 
your efforts and your team's efforts are working towards like that goal. And as you know, it evolves how we're, how you're working towards that goal, those, those core values. Sure. I mean, um, I detest orthodoxy and I have, we have as many core values as we have people on the team, you know, at the end of the day, this is, you know, um, you know, this, uh, the most successful products that we create are the results of like not having a hard line in terms of what we think is good or not, whether that's in terms of, you know, style or some other aspect of a story. Um, I'll give you the bullet points, um, you know, in terms of like what we're trying to do here. I mean, uh, you know, Dwell is a magazine that in some ways are in, in one way. <laughs> Dwell is a magazine that in you know some particular ways is rooted in 20th century modernism, particularly a Californian strain of 20th century modernism. And, you know, that was sort of radical in its early days, I guess, like in the McMansion 90s, when all the boomers were building, you know, giant houses in far flung parts of the exurbs, like, um, or at least that was getting to be the thing. Um, you know, it, a younger generation had an appreciation for this, um, you know, work um, that like the sort of mid century house that was, you know, kind of, I don't know, I mean, it seemed a little outre, even a little kitschy, maybe even like, you know, those houses probably seemed a little depressing to in many ways at that point. But you could, you know, find them and buy them relatively inexpensively and you know the renovation could become a labor of love um in terms of you know uh telling the story and kind of mythologizing you know this era and contextualizing this kind of space in that era and um you know as a student i thought that that was amazing like that's a very very cool thing to be looking at and to be taking seriously and um in that way and then at the same time like i also love the kind of the like totally crazy nature of the magazine in its first couple of years. I mean, the first issue is literally someone sitting in front of their house, which is like just like a black cube. It might not be a cube. It's like a black box looking thing. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm like, <laughs> what I reacted to in that, I didn't see that until many years later when I was like doing research, but I was certainly aware of the brand when I was younger. And like, you know, that's like, okay, that is a, I may never want to replicate that for myself, but that like has introduced me to a sense of what's possible, like what a home can be, what it could be. That was a particularly like the formal example, but the magazine always championed things that like, you know, had some core idea that, you know, pushed at the edges of an idea of what, uh, pushed at the edges of what um, a poem can or should be. And I hope we're carrying that through. Um, I hope we're carrying that sense of introducing new possibilities to the audience, whether or not you'd ever want to do it yourself. <laughs> like, um, so, and then, you know, I mean, I always say that we sort of look to that 20th century modernism and, you know, kind of throw out the stylistic part and think about, you know, what is a contemporary version of some of the values that underpinned it? Like, um, um, you know, first and foremost, you know, we're focused on the humanistic aspect of design. How is this, you know, working for, how is this either solving a problem or framing the life of an actual person? You know, this is not architecture as sculpture in a vacuum as some design magazines out there will show it. This is about someone and the place where they live and the design decisions that went into their being able to live there. It's one sec. Thanks. Yeah. And the design decisions that went into their being able to make that a reality. Then, um, you know, there's something uh, progressive about it in the sense of it, of uh, wanting to champion work that is um, forward-looking, not only in the sense of forward-looking in the sense of anticipating what the future of this site is that could be you know ecological you know we talk a lot about you know climate change and how we are building for climate change how we were thinking about how climate change is going to change where we is going to alter where we can should or could build something um and the, or uh the way that it fits into the socio-political context of where it is like um this is you know a question of affordability in most 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 parts of the united states right now like does this house you know um have a um idea behind it that could relate to um you know the 
anxieties of someone trying to find a place to live right now. I mean, like at a moment when no one under 40 can afford to buy a house, what does dwell mean? Right. I mean, that's, uh, um, you know, that's existential for us. And it's a question that I want to, you know, use as a motivating factor for finding really interesting ways of both, you know, kind of putting hacks together to afford something right now, but also, you know, people who are, um, people from politicians to developers to architects to ingenious residents, um, you know, coming up with ways to live affordably or build affordably in um, you know, contemporary climate. And so, I mean, that's definitely like a consideration that um, looms large for us. And then finally, there's a sense of optimism, right? I mean, this, uh, um, you know, we're not like wringing our hands about these things so much as presenting possibilities for how design could make your life better, like just fundamentally. Um, and uh, that, you know, is something that I want to, you know, I hope that the brand expresses even when we're talking about really tough stuff, like, um, you know, I hope that the brand still expresses and a certain brightness, a certain idea that like design can make this better. Um, and that's sort of what I'd like to be our particular angle on a story about a home um, that you don't necessarily find anywhere else. Um, and hopefully not like, and an optimism that's sincere, not an optimism that is, uh, I don't know, whatever, uh, an Instagram lifestyle version of optimism. That was a great way to put it at the end right there. I like that. <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, not every story that we publish adheres to each one of these things, you know, perfectly, but it's, you know, certainly the criteria that we like when we squint at something we, you know, apply. And then within that, you know, I've really been trying to take us away from our association with 20th century modernism and look at contemporary design through a lens of, uh, and look at contemporary design through a, uh, um, I want us to show a range of uh, styles, uh, household configurations, um, different geographies, different budgets, different scales. Like I'd like, you know, whether it's a week on the website or an issue of the magazine for there to be a surprising mix of um, different types of homes and different ways of living. You know, you might have a giant budget thing that's really on the edge of energy efficiency, sustainability, and required a lot of resources to, you know, do that R&D. Um, or you have something that's just an ingenious, like, you know, relatively inexpensive home that uh, required a really clever resident or a really clever designer to pull it off. So, you know, I want us to make sure that we're showing, you know, a huge range of things. I'm not allergic to a little decor. Um, I mean, I'm an arch minimalist, but like, I'm not allergic to, you know, crown molding. But um, the, uh, but, um, you know, I just want to be sure that there's a surprising range of things and i hope the next thing you see is not at all like the last that's 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 really it's really good it's really good and i think the funny thing is in in that that answer you answered like two other questions in that so like you're like multitasking here so shout out to you <laughs> I used to be checking things off. <laughs> I'm used to asking the questions. I'm extraordinarily uncomfortable talking about um, what we're up to, but um, I'll, I'll grill you on um, what's next with the podcast later. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. Um, so I got I got two like sort of like last real questions, and then I have a few rapid fire questions. They're fun questions. No need to. They, that, that's actually the fun part, or as someone described it, the BS part of the podcast. So it'll be fun. I'm, ter I'm terrified. <laughs> so, so I'm reading like, you know, and I, and I actually, when you were describing that, that first issue, I was like, wow, that is the black house. That is the black voter right there. Um, and that's like what October, 2000. So well, it's been around for like over 20 years. So like, how has the like publication e evolved? And you were touching on it definitely. Um, how has the publication evolved over time? And like, where do you see it? You know, kind of shifting in the next, let's say, three to five years. Well, I don't want to speak for any of the you know previous editors. You know, they all had um, really. Um, strong and exciting ideas about you know where this publication could or should go and i haven't really talked with many of them about like what that actually looked like behind the scenes so um you know i don't want to speak to the earlier history but you know if dwell has always been associated with a certain type of house i'll you know um uh like a box on a rock somewhere like you know these sort of like glassy modernist homes and on and beautiful sites or like you know i'm um, just there, there's a stylistic vocabulary that for that 
I think we have uh, unfairly to a degree become associated with if you look back through some of those issues, but because we were early champions of that kind of work and its resurgence in the early 2000s, I think, you know, we have for better or worse become associated with it. It was an awesome Tumblr called Unhappy Hipsters and like the late aughts and it's, you know, all of these sort of bleak captions underneath the like, you know, photos of people in uh, various states of semi-artificial looking day-to-day life in their homes um, from the pages of Dwell. And it just like, it's sort of, I, I, I would love to ask, you know, the team from the time what it was like when that like landed, because it would just be so validating. It's like the you didn't have people in architectural photography in any meaningful way. There was some blurry person for scale, maybe, but like there wasn't someone like, you know, um, there wasn't someone uh, actually interacting with the house in the way that they might on a normal day. And I hope that we're, you know, really pushing at that, you know, um, at that sense of this is how this space is inhabited. Um, go back and in that first issue, read the first editor's letter by Carrie Jacobs, the Fruitful Manifesto. It is a wonderful, uh, 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 a wonderful invective against um, uh, overly staged uh, decorous uh, photography. But um, anyway, that's a North Star that we look to a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, in terms of like the, um, in terms of what we tried to do, you know, again, I've tried to make it I've tried to preserve a lot of that. I've tried to preserve, you know, certainly our photography is um, a little different from what you would see in a traditional architectural magazine or a more sort of celebrity lifestyle magazine or something like that. You know, we shoot with a lot of documentary photographers, portrait photographers, people who, um, you know, don't necessarily uh, look at the space from a designer's point of view, but look at the space ideally as like a guest at a dinner party, right? Like I, you just redid your living room and I've come over and this is the grand tour. And so... I'm hoping that our images have like a little bit more dirt under their fingernails and we have an awesome uh, and we have an awesome creative team who's kind of assuring that um, we have the right photographers for the narrative as well. Like, you know, how do we capture the experience of getting invited to that dinner party for our audience? Not so much like translating the architect's vision to image, but to, you know, get a sense of what it's actually like to be there. And, you know, we push on that in our writing as well. Like, I love I don't want to know how the building stands up. We can get an explanation for that but i want to know like what the kitchen smells like in the morning like that's the sort of like you know bring me to the space so you know again hopefully we've been able to cultivate that and use that to show a much broader range of projects and cover a much broader range of topics than you know you've seen and dwell certainly and uh you know uh, than you've seen in Dwell historically or for a while, um, but uh, or just doing it in a different way. Um, and, uh, you know, so I expect us to continue on that trajectory. You know, we really have um, uh, emphasized uh, work by emerging designers and uh, other parts of the world that aren't necessarily on the radar of a lot of other shelter titles. You know, it's sort of younger people who don't have a sort of media savvy apparatus promoting their work. Um, and, but, uh, you know, so that legwork again, finding that discovery is wonderful. Um, and then also tackling issues and ideas related to home and housing in a way that, um, that approaches it with that optimism, like that, uh, you know, um, with that, uh, um, sense that, you know, design can help here. And that, um, you know, has really, uh, that has really informed a lot of what we've done. And it's also, you know, um, uh, and it's also something that I can see us doing more and more of in the future. Um, but treating it in a way that, you know, we just did a story um, about tiny home communities for people who were formerly lacked housing um, in uh, Oregon. And, you know, often you'll see cheery renderings and images from the ribbon cutting of these, uh, I think most of it was transitional housing. You'll have to look at the piece, but, um, and, you know, we, you know, wanted to show what it's like to live there. So we <laughs> said like, okay, like, does this work? What's the, like, or like, what, what, what does work mean? Right? Like, does this, um, 
like what is it like to inhabit one of these spaces and so we you know had a writer and a photographer go chat with people who live in different um tiny home communities about their lives and what um this has meant in terms of like in terms of you know how they live and what the what life inside the uh um the community is like and you know it was uh yeah but telling that but you know it basically functions the same as the tour of any house that we've done in the magazine it just has a much different context and you know um than what you might think of as a typical dwell home tour or you know we just did a piece um about an in indigenous community um in california establishing a, a land trust to uh hopefully assure that um, housing remains affordable in their community. Um, that's another one. You should definitely check that one out. It's a really, um, uh, it's a really interesting, you know, the, their situation is really, really specific, but you could see the way that they are using this land trust being applicable to all sorts of um, communities around the United States. That's, that's great. And, you know, just think that changing, I, I don't, I, I guess from what I'm taking in, like kind of like changing how like information is being disseminated, how like this is an interesting story that might fall slightly outside of what it's been or what it's been known for um, as far as the magazine goes and how, but it's like, we're still in the same vein. We're still sort of having, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, we are fundamentally still showing really exciting architecture, but you know, I want it to be, um, I don't want it to be pure fantasy. There's, it's fun. It's fun to dream about, like, hey, this space is, a, this space exists. That's amazing. Um, and you know, I don't want to take away. Hopefully, we're an extremely entertaining read as well. But like the, uh, um, and you know, you can indulge in a little fantasy. Um, you know, whether it's, um, they, you know, again, whether you'd actually want to live there or you'd never want to, but it presents something that's, uh, that, that's uh, interesting and exciting for you. But um, at the same time, you know, I want that to be rooted in the realities of like what home means especially yeah. in the united states right now and so you know but again covering that in a way that's different from like covering that in a way that is um differing from how it might be in a news context or how it might be in a uh um a uh an academic context or, you know, your, uh, you know, a political or, you know, a feature uh, focused more on the political dynamics. You know, I want it to really be about like, this is about housing. This is about like, you know, home design. Um, and uh, this is, you know, a consideration that hopefully contextualizes everything else that we like, you know, put out there. Yeah. And, and one of the things like I, I I walk almost everywhere that I go, whether it's here in Baltimore or, and if I see something that looks really cool on the outside, it's like, wow, I wonder what the people like, who are the people that live there? How do they live? What do they do there? And that's what I was hearing in, in part, like some of those questions would be answered, like the, the tiny house scenario you were describing. I mean, I'm a monster of a person. So I was like, ah, I want to see how they fit in there. I want to see how that works out for them. Like, I'm really tall and really wide. So it's just like, I'm not going to fit in here. <laughs> I mean, look, there's there are certain types that, you know, maybe we're <laughs> complicit in helping to popularize. But like, you know, um, prefab is not a type of home. <laughs> it, is a, it is not a, a style of home. Um, it is a construction method that has lots of different permutations and may or may not make sense for your context um <laughs> or like you know or tiny houses like i don't know i mean it's uh um I live in Brooklyn. I don't have a lot of square footage and like what classifies qualifies as a tiny house on some of these television programs that I won't name is pretty hilarious by comparison. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, presenting, uh, we never want to present anything as like, you know, an ideal lifestyle or anything like that. So it's some more about like, you know, this is what's possible out there. And like, you know, I never want to fetishize one particular type of home, even though like being known as the magazine that does this, like, you know, um, is it could be commercially successful. <laughs> I think the, uh, um, well, we're commercially successful and I think we're commercially successful because, um, you know, we, uh do a variety of things and keep people interested and excited but um the uh you know versus um championing like a specific type of house or hopefully 
championing a variety of things but yeah i don't know i don't have particular opinions on like uh the the tiny house as a type or you know any other things that crop up um you know i uh um you know believe that they are very very useful in some contexts and fit your life in some contexts and uh are not a solution to you know every like do i believe in uh smaller homes over and against like mcmansion bloat of course um but that doesn't mean 220 square feet like the uh for everybody some people that's great um you know i personally would probably not spend a, a lot of time living in a van but i know a lot of people that do and we want to tell their stories you know um without being you know without fetishizing that right without you know hashtag van life like this is like okay you're particularly interesting among the many people that do this we're going to talk about your thing so i don't know and in the same way like you know if we have something that is like you know really architecturally daring like you know there has to be a story behind that it, you know, i really don't want like hey this wealthy person contracted this superstar architect to build some sculptural form on their property like i'm not saying we wouldn't cover that but there'd have to be an idea there there'd have to be a story behind it that's you know more complicated or more exciting than that so you know whether it's you know whatever a tiny house or like a like some you know, whatever, some scare quotes, architectural masterpiece, like, you know, there has to be like a good story and like something to, for the reader to hook onto that they can relate to, again, whether they want to live that way or not. That's great. Thank you. Um, and interestingly enough that you you've did the daily double yet again uh you've answered two questions in that bit so that's a good space for us to stop with the real questions <laughs> okay we can actually move into these rapid fire questions now and i'll give you the sort of disclaimer or whatever that i give everyone don't overthink them they're, they're, they're goofy questions they're fun but they're goofy questions uh what is your um so i got like i said four of them um could you name three tools like I'm thinking apps here, but you know, define tools, how you define them, uh, name three tools that you use daily. That I enjoy using daily or that like, I, <laughs> sure, sure. you know what, let's go that route. Let's go that route. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I have mixed feelings about all of the things that I use daily. Um, but, uh, I don't know, like, like that I think are particularly brilliant. I'm like looking at my phone now and I am, I guess I'm going to limit this to apps. Um, and, uh, <laughs> not going to giggle at your question but the uh um yeah i don't know slack instagram and that, that's my like generational thing too right i'm like solidly instagram i'm not a tiktok person um although like you know um i mean obviously oh, i'm a little obsessed with uh with uh diy furniture uh hacks on tiktok though like um especially um especially the more baroque an adaptation of some like found or thrifted piece that people come up with but and what else am i like what else do i use all the time um i don't know the weather app i'm really uh <laughs> i mean spotify i'm a bit of like a i've never written about music but i'm a bit of a like pop music like uh enthusiast let's say i was like a record I, I was and still am like a record crate digger so like um i love getting mad at the spotify algorithm it's just like you think that's related to that um i, I have a friend who used to work there completely independently of um uh of any kind of programming that would um that would have an influence on how that algorithm works and um i used to just text him to complain all the time when the algorithm got it completely wrong like you can do something about this right but anyway this is those are really boring answers very conventional answers but those um but those are probably the three tools that i use every day could i live without them uh, ideally <laughs> No, that's 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 great. And it actually slides into this next one, because I heard I heard music, I think, earlier you were you were talking. So definitely I have a music related question. Um, if there was a what would you say, like, if you go through that Spotify right now, right? You don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> what what is the what are the last three liked songs that you have? Well, I like things just to save them. I don't necessarily like them just. But we all <laughs> I like them. Um, 
what are the things where I'm like, oh, that's really good. Um, oh, wow. Um, when did I... um, if I go through genres, like kind of uh, 60s garage rock, funk and soul, like that, uh, that trifecta looms large. Um, a lot of, yeah, I guess like late 70s and 80s post-punk, but that's kind of a cliche. What's really good? I've been listening to a lot of, <laughs> I've been listen, listening to a lot of like, I don't know, like classic house music lately. It's not something, I was like such a like indie rock kid and like a hardcore kid in the 90s that like I kind of missed a lot of like um, a lot of dance music from then and like it's so it's you know i mean it's obviously pretty ambient in the culture but like i uh like have never really dug in that direction so there's a lot of that in there now too i looking at some of this though like i can't name like oh what, what did that sound like i just am like an obsessive like oh this is really good oh this is really good so i will wander around new york city with like you know random in random spotify rabbit holes um and uh and snag things but if there are three sort of like touchstone genres those are probably it that's good thank you thank you see i i use this rapid fire portion people think it's me like diving in and trying to learn more about the person which in a sense it is but also it's me stealing like all right what what, what song again oh, well, i can follow up like which i actually think were good or which was like wow i can't believe this exists <laughs> i've never listened to that again <laughs> I was um I, I really got into this uh it, it was funny because my my partner she saw me she's like why are you dancing I was like I'm listening to this vapor wave uh musician named Barb Walters okay. she, you're having way too much fun I was like look it's it's fine it's fine let me just be me it's <laughs> <laughs> like wash the dishes and like it's <laughs> like rabbit holes of like genres that like I never really like thought I would find myself murking around in but or within the murk of what is your and because uh you know design art all of that stuff i know it's going to be a pluralization that's not a word but pluralization of uh this question but what is your favorite color oh funny uh blue okay because usually people say oh here's my three i was like i, I said one i said color and okay. I yeah i'll say 100 percent. okay i stand by it I, I dig it. This is the last one. You, you said you have like the the sort of like wake, waking up late, going to sleep late. So in that, I am definitely curious as to like what what my guests eat. I like to get into their lives. Like what do you, what is that you know late night meal for you? It doesn't have to be healthy. It just has to be good. What is that meal for you? I don't really eat late night. I like um. But what do I? I mean, I don't really eat late night, but um. By comparison to most normal people, I probably eat later than most. But the, uh, um, I don't know. I like, um, like, what is a real go to? I guess, like, you know, I'm not talking about like the desert island food, but like, um, you know, I live in New York. I have like a particular like chip on my shoulder about pizza anywhere else. And so, like, um, and I happen to live near one of, probably what i would call the best new york pizza place in new york and uh that'll that would annoy a lot of people but i would also a lot of people would also have my back should i have that argument but yeah that's kind of my like you know i mean that's kind of i don't know i like uh but like on the fancier end like i don't know you could stick with pizza and talk about like you know bougie neapolitan style like pizza in a well-designed room with like i don't know uh good cocktails like i mean it's really it's i, I maybe maybe it's more about like what the space looks like than what i'm actually eating like it's sort of i put a lot of weight into like where i find myself i'm <laughs> not like not like you know like oh i have to you know go see but in fact like i'm certainly not the person to tell you what's cool or interesting right now but like you know i do like have a real sense of my own identity and constitution based on like the space that i'm in <laughs> so like the uh like i don't know in the um like it just has a, you know a, an extreme influence on my mood and understanding of 
who I am and what I'm doing. Um, I guess that's not super unusual, but <laughs> reflecting on it now, it's like, oh, maybe that's why I do this. Um, I'm just like, you know, too bound up in my surroundings or something like that. But um, I'm being really unarticulate about this. So I'm going to stop answering this question now. So, so I heard pizza. <laughs> Yep, pizza. One hundred percent love pizza. Um, love pizza. Love uh, New York style. Like, there's a particular like uh, I, I have a particular set of criteria. It is like I don't know. It is something that I would find it challenging to leave behind. Should I move away from the city? Although maybe that would just make the sort of acute pang of wanting it late at night um, all the greater when I returned. That that was one of the best answers, though. <laughs> It's like all of these other considerations. It's like it's still pizza, but it's all <laughs> these, I mean, I I kind of do the same thing as as to to be very colloquial about it. I was like, I don't do raggedy shit. That's literally <laughs> what my vibe is. <laughs> like, it better be good, but I don't, I don't do the raggedy thing. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I am not like a. I don't know. I'm not like a. Oh my god! I just want like you know. Um, a classic like some sort of fast food chain or whatever like that sparks a sort of a youthful nostalgia i like just like gross um, but uh, the, except for a slice shop like that's the thing i mean which i suppose is like you know on, on the health scale probably not all that much better for you but i believe it also has like a greater i don't know there's there's a um I don't know, there's a cultural importance that goes along with that slice that's very different than other things. Um, again, that sounds pizza. The answer is pizza. That 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 is great. And um, and with that, that's pretty much it for me. I, I I'm done roasting you with all of my questions and just throwing them at you and seeing if you can deflect them. And you you won. You won. So <laughs> so with that, um, one, I want to thank you so much for, for making the time to hop on this podcast and chat with me uh, this afternoon, evening situation. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners in these final moments. Um, anything you want to share, like sort of like, you know, your 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 final thoughts here and then please include social media, website, all that good stuff, um, you know, for folks to check things out um, online. So uh, the floor is yours. Okay, well, Rob, thank you so much for reaching out. I mean, again, like I'm a huge advocate for um, people going it alone and doing, you know, independent work and, you know, growing in a way that works for them and doesn't sort of plug into established old models that are dying off anyway. Um, with that in mind, uh, follow us at Dwell, wherever you can find at Dwell, at Dwell Magazine and at Dwell and uh, Dwell.com um, and Dwell, Dwell, Dwell. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank William Hanley for coming on to the podcast, Dwell Magazine, Dwell Magazine, Dwell Magazine. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, design, interesting conversations. And around your neck of the woods, you've just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>